Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. John Kerry, President Biden's envoy for climate change, has been in Beijing this week, resuming climate talks that had stalled for nearly a year amid geopolitical tensions. But Kerry said Wednesday the United States and China failed to reach new climate agreements despite talks he deemed productive, while he also expressed hope for achieving breakthroughs later on. So today, Politico Zach Coleman breaks down why talks failed and where the U.S. and China go from here. It's Thursday, July 20th. So, Zach, on expectations versus reality of John Kerry's visit to China, can you outline what the goals were in the climate talks and then outline the current reality of what happened? Really, the reality sort of met the expectations here. John Kerry said he was going over there to restart dialogue. These are two essential countries for solving climate change. They're the top emitters in the world. They're the top economies in the world. And you know, there, there, I'm sure he would have liked for some breakthrough to have occurred. And there were some hopes that maybe they would come out with some announcement about corralling methane emissions. That's something that both countries had worked on in the run-up to Glasgow, Scotland, and had pledged to work on together. After that, obviously, those talks have not furthered so far, given the pause from the last year. But you know, really, there were pretty low expectations for any major deal coming out of this. Why is that? And and I guess, why did the U.S. and China kind of fail to reach any breakthrough agreement at this moment? Well, the why is because climate is just one part of the overall relationship. There's a lot of disagreement on things related to Taiwan, human rights, intellectual property, economic competition overall. And, you know, while John Kerry has always wanted to ring fence climate from that broader dynamic. China has not felt the same way. I mean, they've made that pretty explicit both before the trip and in comments from high-level officials during the trip that the key to solving the climate problems between the two nations is solving the overall relationship. So that's going to take a lot harder work. Kerry has lasting relationships with Xia Shenhua, his counterpart on climate in China, but Xia is just one person in the Chinese government, and the rest of the government has a pretty strong opinion about how they place the climate element within the broader relationship. Got it. And you spoke to someone for your story who felt like the talks between the U.S. and China this week highlights kind of the different relationship the U.S. and China have today under Biden than they did under Obama, which was interesting to to see. So what do you mean by that? Well, under Obama, there were standing strategic and economic dialogues is the type of thing that U.S. administrations have had with major economies over the years. You try to pair up assistant secretaries, you know, the type of people who don't make headlines all the time and work through thorny policy issues over the course of several formal talks over the years. And that just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it might sound a little mundane, but those types of committees or processes are key to having working relationships. The nuts and bolts of this conversation just aren't there yet. And that's what they committed to doing, to kind of setting up that framework because it just is threadbare right now. Right. And and what's what's been the reaction? I, I know you're up on the Hill uh, as well. I mean, what's been reaction from 
from lawmakers and just, you know, we know Republicans have really scrutinized uh, the the uh, Biden administration's approach to China. And I'm wondering kind of how much that might have hovered over these talks uh, with Kerry. Well, Kerry had gotten an earful in a hearing last week from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Basically, the Republicans on the committee said, don't trust China. Xi Jinping said, you know, according to Chinese state media on Wednesday, that the Chinese policies would not be affected by outside pressure. And it was a fairly veiled, but very thinly veiled shot at the talks that were happening just over the past few days between Kerry and the Chinese government. So the Republicans are skeptical. And I think Democrats are willing to give this engagement a shot because really you cannot keep the long shot bid of temperatures from rising 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels alive without China cooperating. And I, I don't know, and I don't know that John Kerry knows exactly what would unlock enhanced action from China. But there is a sense from Democrats and from the Biden administration that isolation is not going to do it, that engagement is necessary. And lastly, what are you looking for in these, you mentioned more meetings. I mean, what are you watching for next in the lead up to COP later this year? So I think some of the low hanging fruits that my sources have mentioned are any sort of agreement on more climate finance from China. China prefers to do its climate finance bilaterally, so it has more control over what projects it supports and what countries it's working with. So any additional money is likely welcome. And then I'm also looking for any agreement on methane. Again, this is something that China had committed to do in 2021 alongside the U.S., that they would, for the first time, work on a methane plan to reduce their emissions of that greenhouse gas. We know that there is a plan in progress. Xia Zhenhua mentioned that at last year's UN Climate Conference in Sharm el-Sheikh. It has not been finalized, but that's something that you could see happening before the cop in Dubai. Also, the Energy Department on Tuesday denied a decade-old petition from environmental groups to issue a rule on how it reviews applications to export liquefied natural gas. Green groups, including the Sierra Club, Center for Biological Diversity, and Friends of the Earth, sued DOE in March over its failure to respond to the petition, arguing there had been a massive increase in LNG export applications since they filed the petition in 2013. DOE said that a broadly applicable rule is not necessary because it has developed precedent for the factors it uses to evaluate applications. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron knows developing and deploying carbon capture and storage is a critical step in helping make progress towards global net zero which is why we're targeting 25 million tons of CO2 per year in storage and offsets by the end of the decade. That's energy in progress. Visit chevron.com slash carbon capture.